guys, welcome back to Figuring It Out. Today, I'm super excited for our episode. I'm interviewing Jennifer Heseltine today. Um, Jen is such a creative and interesting person. I actually did an internship with her over the summer, um, but I've known her my whole entire life. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on education and the world around education and we're just gonna kind of dive into it and you know see what needs to be changed see what um, needs to be done differently from an educator's point of view so hi Jen hi (laughs) thanks for having me Sarah (laughs) of course (laughs) um do you want to introduce yourself and tell the viewers a little bit about what you do and how you got on this path Absolutely. So um, I would say over since the late, not to, not to date myself too much, but <laughs> um, since the late 1990s, um, I you know, have gone back and forth between uh, the world of education and uh, sort of a, a development role, I mm-hmm. guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, most recently, um, over the last couple of years, I've uh, pivoted to a K-12 education consultant and strategist mm-hmm. role yeah. and uh, have been working with um, educators, on, honestly, a variety of educators across the public education space and private education space. Um, so anything from, you know, uh, you know, working with folks in public school districts, um, or, and, or, uh, folks in school programs at, uh, you know, museums and historical centers. Um, and then, you know, dabbling a little bit in, uh, some education and and curriculum writing work for the for-profit world. Um, Mm -hmm. so doing some, um, you know, some STEM kit writing, uh, and, uh, some strategy as far as, the for-profit education world is concerned too. It's, so a little bit of everything yeah, right now. Definitely yeah. <laughs> like a behind, behind the scenes type of role that like, I didn't even know what an educational consultant was. And now it's like something I consider like pursuing m- myself. And it's something that, you know, a year ago I had no idea what it even was. Right. But then I did an internship with you and it was so interesting. So yeah, it's kind of a, I guess, a supportive role mm-hmm. um, is how I think of it. And I don't always like the, I think consultant is just very generic, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and I kind of, I, I don't know, I'd like to actually change that name a little bit, I think, yeah. and maybe make it um, modernize it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Right. Or, you know, actually make it um, sound like what it is, you know, it's just yeah. a supportive, like you said, almost like undercover, you know, just, I like to think of it as a helpful role. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. And a sort of mediator, middle person kind of a role. Mm-hmm. So the glue that yeah, yeah. connects like almost the business world to the educational world, but right. Sort of like the creative world. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of different roles. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Okay, so I have lots of questions that I'm going to ask Jen because I feel like you have a good perspective since you have been in the classroom teaching um, and you obviously you have kids, so you see like the student's perspective. You were a student and now you're kind of that glue that holds it all together with the, I don't know, I don't want to say consulting. (laughs) (laughs) We'll think of something. Yeah, with that outsider (laughs) role. But obviously you had to ultimately decide on this career path and usually I feel like teachers have that one specific teacher that influenced them so I want to ask you who your you know most influential educator was growing up or in college or yeah wherever so um so I feel a little bit like I'm taking the easy path by saying this but Definitely my mom. Mm-hmm. So my mom taught. It's it's hard. It would be hard for me not to say my mom because she's so cool. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and she she was so influential in a whole whole variety of ways growing up. But sure. it's you know if you think if we're thinking about education and someone who really stands out, um, just her her being as an educator and as a teacher you know, when I think about that, a model teacher or the times during, you know, when I was teaching, if I was, you know, had a question or was struggling or, um, you know, didn't know how what to do about a situation, I just naturally would think back on my mom. So, yeah, so, 
you know, she, she progressed in her career too. She, she taught for, I think she taught for, you know, maybe 15 to 20 years and Mm -hmm. then, um, became an administrator after that and was an administrator, I think roughly for like 10 to 12 years. I think she was the principal my entire, um, grade school career. And I was there from like K through five. So that's, yeah. 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 And I know that she struggled with that decision, uh, to leave the classroom and, and move mm-hmm. on to an administrator role. And I think even for a few, and she, she was in a, you know, as you know, it was small private, mm-hmm. private school, but, um, she even kept teaching for a little bit while she was yeah, an administrator because she didn't that. want to lose that. Yeah. You know, that. she was so good at the balance too. Like yeah. you would see her like teaching her class, but then she'd like wave yeah. <laughs> to like the little grade school classes mm-hmm. coming out. And she was just so cool. Yeah, I think that kept her going too. That just that contact with students mm-hmm. uh, really helped from an administrative point point of view too, yeah. and you know, continued to keep her in touch with kids, which I think fulfilled her mm-hmm. as well. So, um, but anyway, you know, as I started to kind of think about my future in education, and I, you know, I loved loved teaching and loved every aspect of it, and there wasn't a you know, when I left to do this consulting role, there was, it wasn't because of any sort of uh, contentiousness or, you know, yeah. disgruntledness, if that's a word even, but mm-hmm. I, it wasn't anything like that. It was just for me and my path, it was, I felt like it was, there was a time to move on um, yeah. to something different. And I wasn't really wanting to go down the path of it of an administrator. Yeah. Um, so at that point, you know, and so my mom really was that person that kind of helped me through that and some of that thought process and, you know, you can create different paths. Right. Yeah. And so it's risky at times. And, um, you know, I think it's out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I think you can make a decision in your own mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. You know what you want yeah. to do and you then create and do it. You create you know? your own world. Like, that's what I always say, like, tell my friends, like, you can, yeah. you have the guidelines, like, you can run with it. Right, yeah. So. And I thought, you know, there's never, you can always, you can always make different decisions, too. I feel like you can always, you know, at some point, um, I may want to go back into a teaching role, and who knows what yeah. that would look like, you know, and it, I don't even know, right? Yeah. Um, and, or maybe at some point, I would want to take, want to go the administrative route, Right. Um, or maybe not, I don't know, you know, or I've got, you know, big dreams for my, my business as well. Right. And, um, and not so much the business aspect, but just the things that I want to get done. Right. And K-12 education. Yeah. Yeah. And the the influence, I guess, that I want to have, Mm -hmm. um, now and in the future, that's still there. So there's still a lot of dreaming that I'm doing and a lot of goal setting that I'm doing, um, you know, every, all the time actually. So, and I Which think that's good because I feel like a lot of people, especially now with this pandemic and everything, people are getting burnt out yes. so easy and so much faster, right. especially like even not even people in a field, like college kids are getting burnt out so much faster. And that's something that I see, mm-hmm. you know, being on a college campus. So like the fact that you have so many different, ways that you can take your career is so it's inspiring to someone younger too because you know right yeah we look up to people that are ambitious so yeah no and I think it's it's okay to take risks obviously you want to you know you want to be safe too and you have to yeah (laughs) you have to make money and you have to work (laughs) and you you know there's all these things that you have to are check boxes that just have to happen you gotta eat <laughs> right exactly exactly Sarah right but I think too to know that it's okay if you don't know if you can't pinpoint exactly what you want to do that's okay and just know you can create your you can you're the creator of your world right yeah. so whatever that means for you that's what you can create just yeah. kind of, you know, just, I, I like this idea of backward design where you think about the end and you think about what is it in a perfect world? What's that dream or what's that thing that I would love to see myself doing? And then you back out from that. You go back from there, right? From That's that such an interesting point. way to work, literally look at the entire world. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a great way to make change because you can think, and let's just say that huge thing doesn't, happen exactly the way it should happen um maybe you'll come close so your mom's the most influential person so I love that that's such a 
I just want to like go back to something you said about like the outside perspective. Um, I used to kind of like, you know, being in grade school, I would be like, oh, teachers, like they have it so easy. Like, you know how you said, but then as I got into middle school, I made friends that have parents that are teachers. And I'm so thankful that I met these people because they gave me a whole new perspective on educators. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to go back to that because I agree, like, seeing the outside or even hearing of it from my friends, seeing like, wow, their parents are, you know, working on projects or grading for, you know, eight plus hours right. on a Saturday. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, so even seeing all of that, seeing uh, the hard parts and the good parts, how did you ultimately decide to pursue that path? Is it just from seeing your mom or were there other? No, it's, it's actually kind of funny, Sarah, because my mom giggles about this too, is that I would always say, I, I'm not becoming a teacher. I'm not going to become a teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think a lot of that was because, um, well, my dad was a teacher as well. Right. And he, he equally is influential, obviously, but, um, in a different way. Right. Anyway. Um, so I would, I, you know, you go through this time period in life where you're like, okay, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to travel, which is all great, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not going to do the things my parents did. I'm going to carve out a whole new existence and do something different. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I would always say like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not following that path. And, um, slowly, but surely it was actually kind of interesting because my undergraduate degree was in uh, business marketing mm -hmm. and, slowly but surely I started to get back into education. So after I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I went um, back to my alma mater. I graduated from SUNY Plattsburgh mm -hmm. and went back there. And my first job out of college was uh, I was the coordinator of the internship program for the school of business and economics. Wow. And so right away, jumped right back in right into education yeah. and working with kids. Mm -hmm. Right college age students. And so, um, I was there for a couple of years and then decided to take this, um, bike trip with my college roommate. Um, we ended up taking a bike trip, a self-guided bike trip across the United States. So, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was, at, you know, after we graduated with our bachelor's from Plattsburgh, we took a leave of absence from work. We saved our money, mm -hmm. um, flew out to Seattle and rode our bicycles back to, we ended at my grandmother's house in Bangor, New York. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, cute. She made us um, mash, our favorite mashed potatoes, um, barbecue chicken, and oh my God. her raspberry mousse, which was like oh amazing. My God. So, and that's what we, they, you know, we, they said like, what do you girls want? My, my family said, what do you want when you, after you arrive, after, yeah. you know, riding your bikes cross country, what's the, the dinner that you want? So Shannon and I both put in our special requests. And so anyway, so that, that trip, I mean, as you can imagine, you know, one of, was probably one of the most impactful times of oh, my I'm life sure. because I'm sure. yeah, you just, you go through, um, just at an absence, right. Of everything that you, be you become so accustomed to having at your fingertips right. is gone and you become very self-reliant. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and Shannon and I, you know, became reliant on each other as well. Uh, and so it just, it was in, in, you know, the whole idea of not quitting, like it would have just, it was our own idea. Yeah. And so at any point we could have stopped it and it wouldn't have been, it wasn't like anybody was depending on us yeah. to finish. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, so that was a, that was a really interesting and kind of influential time period in my life. And I think seeing what I saw, we went through a lot of, um, obviously when we saw places close up mm -hmm. and personal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we traveled through the site of Custer's last stand and we just inherently, right. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, you got to see and, you're riding across country. You're going to witness some history. Right. Yeah. And you, you witness it in a really slow way because mm -hmm. you're riding a bike and you know, <laughs> you're so literally pedaling like, through it. <laughs> it's not like you're streaming past at 65 yeah. miles an hour. So, you know, you just really have time to take things yeah. in and reflect and think about things and think about, you know, we followed the um, Lewis and Clark trail oh and that God. was pretty eye opening as well. Mm -hmm. And we met people that it was amazing. Like I had such this feeling of, like, wow, you know, like this is, this is, 
our country, right? This yeah. is the United States of America. And so, you know, as we're traveling, there there were people along the way that they would see our bikes and our bikes were loaded down with with everything, right, that we needed to survive, right. basically. Yeah. I didn't and even so, think about that. For some reason, like, I picture you guys just yeah. like, riding down the street. <laughs> On bikes, yeah. yeah just regular <laughs> bikes. <laughs> Maybe a basket or something. <laughs> yeah, no, a basket definitely was, would not be sufficient. Yeah. Enough, Silly me. Uh, <laughs> that would have been awesome, though, because uh, it, they would have been a lot lighter. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, all right. Anyway, so, yeah, so they just, our bikes themselves were conversation pieces, you know, like we wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be wanting to strike up a conversation and we'd kind of want to get, you know, on the road and get going. But a lot of times people would say like, where are you headed? You know, because they would see all of our stuff, our panniers, the the bikes all loaded up with bags and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, those conversations would lead to things like, can you stop by my house? You know, if you're going to be on this road or near this place, can you stop by my house and meet my kids and we'll have lemonade for you? Or, you know, if you're going through this area, my uncle so-and-so lives there and I'm sure, you know, if you girls need anything, he would take care of you. And, um, I mean, we had families, you know, we had people that we'd be in line at the grocery store and folks would buy our groceries for us oh and, you know, all of those kind of things happened all the way across. And so, you know, right away I had a really, I started, we started to get really good feelings about, you know, the United States and our country and, um, we understood it better in a whole variety of ways. Yeah. And, um, we, we ended with a really good feeling about it. Right. I'm sure. And then it's kind of interesting because through time I reflected over and over and over again about that experience. And, um, in I'd say most recent years, one of my big reflections has been what, how would your experience have been different potentially? Um, you know, are you privileged basically? Right. Like you were treated in a very accepting and opening way and in a very inclusive way. And, you know, is that because you were seen as safe, right? Because of your gender or because of your race or your ethnicity Mm -hmm. or that kind of a thing. And so, you know, that, uh, that's just been a recent reflection over the last few years where yeah. I've been telling this story now for actually this past year. So we went in 1996. So this past year was our 25th anniversary. Holy crap. That's crazy. Right. Is that right? And I so, so, yeah. So, um, <laughs> of our bike trip. Yeah. And so, so, you know, it, it's interesting how you can come out of that. The story I always told was this like, wow, you know, yeah. and our, we have, we are, we live in this amazing country. Right. And, and there are just these insanely kind people, you know, we'll, we will take care of each other. Um, but I've also had these reflections the last few years of, wait a minute here. Like, yeah. was your experience, your experience because of oh, your wow. privilege, I never you know? even would have like, Right. You always look at things and you think of it in the broadest perspective. Well, it took me this long to do that, though. It's kind of, I'm almost a little bit embarrassed that I've been telling this story for so long, you know, that yeah. it's, it's not, and I'm not saying this to take away from these stories and that kind of thing. I'm saying it to say, like, we have to kind of think about these things and acknowledge yeah. these things and learn and from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And when you're telling these stories, like when I'm telling these stories, that perspective is different than maybe a, pers- a perspective someone else might have yeah. going cross country on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it, it, that could be really unsafe for people as well. Yeah. Right. Oh, and 100%. so, right. It's so just kind of acknowledging my own, yeah, my own privilege and my own story. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, so, um, that, you know, that whole experience really led me back, I think, to, and that the reflecting that happened in that experience led me to social studies. Mm-hmm. And my love of social studies has always been more, um, more around the big picture, the what can we learn from this, the digging into the, the inquiry aspect of it, right. more so than the you know, the, let's, you know, memorize these facts yeah. and just have this like Jeopardy of type knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it stems back from that trip of, you know, that, that bike trip. So when you eventually decided to become a social studies teacher, 
did you have doubts about that? Even if it was like, oh, maybe I don't want to teach social studies, maybe I want to teach English, or should I be a teacher? Should I keep pursuing business? Did you have doubts or were you kind of super confident along the whole um, I think, you know, when I went back for my master's after the spike trip was over, I went back for my master's in, in education. And the more I dug into education and all that goes into it, and I think it's one of the, you know, it, there's more than meets the eye to oh, yeah. what teachers study. I don't mm -hmm. think everybody always sees all that teachers learn right. when they go to school for education. Yeah. One right? of my roommates is studying um either childhood or adolescence edu education. And she's like taking physics. She's in physics lab until, I don't know, eight at night. She has night classes. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even, I thought it was right. way different than that. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I, I know you and I've talked about this before too, but you know, everyone has this, the experience of education because mm -hmm. we all, everyone went to school, right? right. So you go through K-12 education and then mm -hmm. you leave and you think you're an expert at education because, right. yeah. <laughs> right? because yeah. you went to school. And so, and to a certain extent, you do have your own perspectives and your own input and yeah. the things that you liked and didn't like. And that's super valuable information, yeah. right? Like I always ask you, like, you know, what activities did you like? Yeah. And what do you tend to, you know, what do you tend to gravitate to in yeah. school and things like that? But um, you know, I, I don't know that, that everyone always understands like teachers actually study education, like yeah. they study the research studies that have been done on how to teach and how kids learn. And mm -hmm. it's a very serious thing, right? It's not yeah. just like, oh, well, it's not you know, like I went to school. So therefore I'm yeah. gonna become a teacher and I already know a lot about it. It's yeah. teachers really study all aspects of education, right? Yeah. And not just the content piece, but how people, how human beings learn best, right, is yeah. what what is studied. And there is there are different opinions on that too. So that's kind of an interesting thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So um but yeah, so you know, did I have doubts? Uh, I think when I first started out I didn't because I was, you know, I jumped in with both feet into this master's program. I loved it. I loved the classes. I, I felt like I finally had met up with the thing that just lit me up. Right. right. And I just loved and, mm -hmm. um, loved listening to things, loved reading about all these different case studies and just everything. In it's education. so interesting. There's so oh, much yeah. to it. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just awesome. And, um, and how impactful and influential you can be, mm -hmm. right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the one thing that scares me if I want to, if I eventually do get my master's in education, because it's something I think about, is really? like, oh God, people are going to be influenced by me. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good, like, there's, and there's so many. I don't think, like, I don't even like when people say, like, this whole, like, you know, um, good teacher, bad teacher, like that kind yeah. of language, I can't stand yeah. because I think that everybody brings to the table something different. Yeah. And I think that's what makes education so amazing is yeah. that it's, it's, there's, it's all about the people who are in it. It's human, yeah. right? Everybody, I always say like every teacher is somebody's favorite teacher, right. which is so cool. Like, I don't know. It's not a good teacher, bad teacher thing. It's who connects with which student. Maybe it might be like, oh, this teacher had, like, the same past or upbringing so, like, they could connect, it, whether it's through sports or something like that. Or right. maybe it's a teaching style or right. the way – I remember one of my teachers, I just really liked this one teacher. And the one thing that, like, connected – like, I really liked his um, kind of slogan or whatever was – keep your mouth shut and your minds open. And I just liked that. And it just connected with me. And I'm like, I like this teacher. So like, I don't know, just it's yeah. easy to connect with teachers based off little things like that or bigger things. And that's so cool. Right. Yeah. No. And I think that it really just, like you're saying, I think it depends on your own preferences too. We're all yeah. human, right? So we're all going to connect to a different yeah. type of person, right? Yeah. In, a in a different way, yeah. right? And there's personalities that come at play and learning oh, for sure. different ways that you like to learn and, and all of that. I feel like the time that you take a class also depends. Like if you have a teacher at 8 a.m. compared <laughs> to like at 12, you might like the 12 p.m. teacher a little bit more. Right. But yeah, no, definitely. And you might grab, like depending on whether or not you're a morning person or okay. a late night kind of person, yeah, yeah. right? Like that is also going to make a difference on on how you, how you learn, learn fast yeah. and what, you know, yeah. who you connect with and all of that. 
So yeah. So as far as like, do you know, did I have any doubts? I, at first I didn't, mm -hmm. but then I think, you know, I think any teacher can attest to this. Once you jump in and actually teach, it's oh very God. different than going to school I and learning imagine. how to teach. Yeah. So your first year, you know, you make, you, you make mistakes, you, it's just, and not just your first year. I think this happens, you know, probably, I mean, really teachers are humans, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, and we're going to like middle school. So I'm like thinking about myself in middle school and I thought like the biggest, you know, thing in the world was whether or not I should wear skinny jeans or leggings. Like I can't imagine like being an actual adult and having to deal with, but like also middle school school. So. Yeah, it's know. awesome. It's, um, I love it. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, you'd have, you definitely have doubts, but I will say this too. You always have doubts. Right. Like yeah. I, I can oh, say yeah. like, you know, nine years in and I still would question everything that I did, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'd after every lesson be like, well, did that work? Did that not work? You know, or if, if I, maybe someone's behavior wasn't all that great during a lesson, I would have, it would, it would kind of go back to me where I would have doubts with myself. Right. Oh, Even yeah. after nine years, I would go, you know, shoot, you know, is there something, is there a way I could have reacted differently? Was it the activity? Was it, you know, what was it that happened or whatever it might be? Mm -hmm. And you sort of doubt yourself all over again. Right. Yeah. And then you try to look like, okay, how can I do something differently? And you talk to your colleagues about, you know, this yeah. happened and what do you think? Yeah. And, um, so I think that that's always there. And I don't think that, that the public always see that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's, it's definitely something that's there. So one of those behind the scenes, yeah. again, and I think you aspects can have, of teaching. Yeah. And I think you can have confidence in the role mm -hmm. and at the same time be doubtful, yeah. you know? Well, there's um, the internal external point of it too. So like external, you know, you could see a teacher that has it all put together and like yeah. walking through the halls with confidence, but then, you know, there's that yeah. internal, yeah. you know, like you said, like, Oh, did I do this right? Did I do this right? But yeah. you never know. Like that's the thing. Teachers have to kind of keep it together because their job is influencing and educating right. everybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. And the, and the struggle is there, you know. And I and yeah. I, what I would say is it's healthy. Um, I think that that struggle and those doubts, and you don't have it all the time, but that that surface once in a while, it's healthy because it pushes you forward to a new space. Oh yeah. And it makes you think about, you know. Um, what could I do differently, which I think heads us into this, this area of doing better. Into it like that. It's yeah. not like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Definitely. So ultimately you obviously continued on your teaching path. What were some aspects that, you know, assured you that you were making the right choices? Uh, I had fun. Um, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it, it was, yeah. it was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's obviously not always fun, but, um, I enjoyed wholeheartedly enjoyed the kids. And it was one of those things where I could go in with a lot of my mind. I could go to school with a lot of my mind. I could go with, you know, all sorts of things in my head going on and whatever. Um, but once I got in the classroom with the kids, mm -hmm. it, it's like, I can't even describe it, Sarah. It's just such a great feeling. It's one of the things I miss the most now. I'm sure, yeah. Is um, that energy of being with with students, right, with kids. Yeah. So, um, but that I think you you're told over and over again as a teacher that you've made the right decision when you feel that way. Mm -hmm. So you know you you get these feelings often right that like I love this or this I mean and it, it, again I'm not trying to say like this happens all the time and it's all like you know the latest thing that I've been hearing is toxic positivity um which a friend of mine the other day combined the two words and called it poxic <laughs> which I loved <laughs> you know? I mean um but so I'm not trying to be like toxically positive or poxic um but what I am saying is if you know, you, I knew personally that I was, had made the right decision in going into education mm -hmm. really in, in two ways. One, I loved being with kids and listening to what they had to say and the, the inquiry and the curiosity and they're just raw, just that, like yeah. they don't oh care. God, I love it. You don't care. <laughs> that just that energy, you yeah. know, I just honestly, it makes me smile even now. Yeah. Like it makes me just thinking about it gives mm -hmm. me, there's a feeling that you have, right. Yeah. That just, you're just like, this is just amazingly awesome. And, um, 
So there's that. And then the other thing, you know, that really makes me realize or made me, I guess, realize that I was in the right space is I love all things education. Like I seek it. So I, you know, I'm constantly, even in my free time, I love reading books that relate back to education, even if they're books that aren't for the education crowd, like the K-12 education crowd. Maybe it's a book, you know, Daniel Pink, who's an author who I was telling you about, who, you know, he, his books are not intentionally for K-12 education, but there's so much there that applies to the world of K-12 education. And the same with, you know, um, Austin Cleon, uh, you know, those books that I just keep by my side all the time. And those were not written for K-12 education or educators, but there's just so much there that can be applied to education. That's like the coolest thing about teaching is that you can pull from, even if you're a math teacher, like that's what I learned from you this summer, like working on your different projects is that you can pull from literally like, if you're teaching math, you can pull from the art world, you can pull from you know, local cultures, local histories, and you can just combine and connect. And that's the coolest part of it. Everything is so connected. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I guess, you know, that's also when I knew I was in the right space was I would just get so excited by new knowledge, even though I was a social studies teacher. Um, you know, for me, it was more about the inquiry, like I said before, in the big picture stuff. So mm-hmm. I became really, really interested in science at one point. And I think it was because of my own lack of knowledge in that area. And I just started to dig in deep into how does some, how do some of these science themes connect to social studies, what I'm teaching, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. just trying to, and it was my, the colleagues that I, you know, were, was fortunate enough to work with who um, were, you know, in science and math and languages and in all of these different technology and all yeah. these different content areas, the arts, right. Um, who, you know, just listening to them talk and I would have these aha moments of like, wait a minute, that connects to this point in history, or that connects to this social studies topic, or that connects to something going on in our world right now, or, yeah. and just like, I would just get so excited by these sort of authentic connections that are just there. Right. And, um, and then I would just dig for more information on science, you know, like related to these science topics or, you know, math was always the kind of the thing with me where I was like, Oh gosh, I don't, Uh, most of it I didn't understand, you know? And so, but then I started, you know, thanks to like, you know, listening to the math teachers that I worked with, um, you know, you start to listen and you're like, wait a minute, you know, um, I kind of understand that now. And I now understand how that comes into play with what I'm yeah. teaching the kids or what I want them to learn or whatever. Next question for you is what is one aspect that educators are discredited for in our society today? So I think, you know, I th- it's hard to pinpoint, I think one thing, but I think, you know, one of the things I would say is, um, Education is big. It's a big, it's a big thing, right? Like it's, like I mentioned to you before, everybody has experience in it because everyone went through school, right? So, so, you know, there's that. And so I think there's, there are different perspectives on education and that's a good thing. Um, You know, everybody has a different experience or different experiences as they're kind of going up through the education system. They have good experiences, they have bad experiences. Um, and so, you know, if I were to think about think some some big thing that teachers are kind of discredited for, I think it's the the amount of time and resources and knowledge that go into that career. So I, you know, I don't know that it's widely and you have to be in it, I think, yeah. to know it. Like mm-hmm. let me just say that because I think that would be a fair thing to say, right? Rather than saying like people don't necessarily understand it. I I Mm -hmm. wouldn't say that. What I would say is like, you have to, when you're in it, you have to be in it to really understand how much goes into it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it is, it's not just a career. It's a, it's, and it's a, it's super rewarding. It's like, it's amazingly rewarding. Right. Um, and it's to a point where now that I am sort of on the outskirts of, being a teacher, right. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of now this, in this middle role, supportive, yeah. you know, um, hopefully supportive anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sort of in this outside role kind of looking in and I see it even more now, just this, how much goes into it. 
time-wise. It, it's your life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it and I and you like now that I'm out of it, I miss it, right? There are right. aspects that I miss because it is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Like there you can't get that kind of a feeling from anything else. You I, know I you're helping people and you know you're influencing people. Yeah, and kids are amazing, you know? So it's like it's just awesome. It's such a good place to be. Right. But I do think that where there's some some maybe some error going on or just some discrediting going on is in this idea that it's there's a lot that goes into it and you and you have to as an outsider looking in if you're someone who has never taught or has never worked in a school or a school building you know be cautious please about what what you say and the things you think and your opinions because it is it is they these people have our kids every single day yeah so we kind of just discussed the outsider perspective, like what the community needs to change or individuals, um, basically just awareness. Yeah. But what do you think um, is the biggest change that needs to be directly implemented to the education system? As someone who has that outside perspective, who works with different schools and you know museums and you see all the different aspects of education, what do you think the school systems Right. Need to see. So, you know, I think that it's, it, again, it's one of those things that you can't really pinpoint one thing, I yeah. think. Um, you know, and I think that as far as change goes, there's a lot going on. Like you and I were talking about before, everybody yeah. kind of brings their own thing to education, right? And yeah. education is very much human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So like it's, yeah. it really is. And I know that kind of sounds silly, but it's very human in nature. It's mm-hmm. human, you know, adult humans working with kid little, you know, younger humans. So, you know, there's this whole human aspect to it that, and personalities and opinions. And so, you know, what might work for one student or one teacher might not be a good thing for another teacher or another student. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and because our K-12 education system is, you know, when you do the backward design thing, right. Mm -hmm. It's for our kids. Okay, so, you know, if we were to look at K-12 education and think about it from the perspective of backward design, what are we trying to achieve? Okay, so, you know, there's this whole philosophy called or this whole thing, I guess, called um, profile of a graduate. And the idea is that as a school system, you think about. it's backward design. You think about the end, right? So Mm -hmm. when our kids leave us in 12th grade, who are we sending out into the world? Right. Okay. And what are those key attributes that we, we are hoping that they have after they leave us that they've gained and learned and practiced and applied throughout pre-K through 12th grade? Mm -hmm. Who are we sending out in the world? Who's coming, you know, we're sitting here in Malone, New York. Um, Who are we sending out into the world, what can the world depend on from a kid who comes from Malone, New York, yeah, right? And so when you start thinking about that, right, you look at it backward design, you look at the end in mind, the profile of a graduate, mm-hmm. and then you start backing that out um, and you go, okay, look at it, let's look at everywhere, anywhere, you know, let's look at the, pre, let's look at the pre-K through 12th grade system. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen to get our kids to that point? Right. And, and what does the world need? Okay. Not just in terms of industry and that, I mean, that's important. Right. Um, but what else does the world need right now? Yeah. In terms of, you know, change or innovation. And yeah. Right. And like how, you know, how is the world changing and how does that impact K-12 education and how, and that profile of a graduate. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the profile of a graduate now looks very different than the profile of a graduate in 1894. Right. Right. Or it should anyway. Yeah. Okay. Because there were, there's, our world's different now. Yeah. Okay. Constantly changing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I don't know about pinpointing one thing in education that needs to be, that needs to change um, more so than just looking at the system and going, everybody working together to make some decisions around, who are we sending out into the world as a whole, mm-hmm. right? And of course, obviously, that all goes back down to your local places, right, right? right? But as a whole, who are we sending out in the world? What does the world need? What will the world need in the future? Who will the world? What's good for our kids? Like, let's not just think about like what everybody else needs, but mm-hmm. what's going to be really great for our own kids, right? right when they graduate, right. how can we set them up so that they're 
emotionally well. They can tap into their own resources when they need to. They're curious and want to continue to learn. I think that's key, mm-hmm. right? right? They're inquisitive. We've made them feel like, you know, not like, you know, smart or dumb, right? We make yeah. them feel like you are you and you can go out in the world and do whatever you want. You are smart in your own way. Right. Right. And I think that that's, I I love that because I'm sick of, you know, Oh, she's smart, but she's like, it's not like that. Everyone has their own way of being smart. Right. Yeah. I think that is something that people kind of discredit, but Right. And I think that's a, that's a real societal thing, yeah. right? Like that's just something that's just yeah. embedded and over time for whatever reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's embedded in our society and we all kind of feed into that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, even, you know, I can think of times too, when I'm like, Oh my gosh, grades, grades, grades. Yeah. I, you know, I think like you're perpetuating that, yeah. right. That whole idea of smart, not smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, I think, I think, you know, if we're going to do all of our kids justice in the future, I think when we send them out into the world, we want all of them feeling powerful, right? They, right. they Like in and of themselves, not that, well, you know, I'm not as, I'm not smart or I am smart, like, whatever it might be. Okay. Well, it's like this whole idea this of what class, is. <laughs> so like, I can't teach social studies because, you know, I got to see, but no, like, right. So, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just. It's different than that now, or at least I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, no, and I think just, you know, giving kids this idea that, that um, like I said, they're, they're powerful, right? Mm-hmm. That regardless of, of how maybe they did on a test or how they've done overall, that they are powerful in their own way, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so I think that's a big deal. And then, you know, I lately have been reading a lot and, and kind of looking at, at some research and that kind of thing on on just change, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, how change happens in, K, you know, just K-12 education over time, um, you know, how it was first developed right up until the present time and just kind of digging into that a little bit. And yeah, I do, you know, I think now, even before the pandemic hit, um, our K-12 education system was sort of in this space with, you know, this technology age that we're living in, um, where things were changing abruptly and quickly. And, um, you know, how do you handle that? And, you know, is, is there a happy medium, right? Do we, you know, how do we handle all this technology coming at us and how do we handle all, not just technology, but the new, yeah. How do we handle all this change happening in the world? And then, you know, then the pandemic Mm -hmm. hits and I think it has just moved us forward even more in a way in saying like, not moved us forward, like change. Well, I guess, yeah, change wise, but moved us forward r- more rapidly. Mm-hmm. It's esca- sort of escalated um, the, the push for change, right? Because now 100%. it's like things really have kind of gone upside yeah. down. We're yeah. like, yeah. how do we do this now? Right. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I just think, you know, change is here, right? And I think we're in the midst of it, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. And we're living it. And I think it's the pressure that we're all feeling in K-12 education is we're living amongst a really revolutionary time period where change is happening. And we'll look back on it someday as a real time period of change. Um, and I think some really great changes will come out of this. And... You know, I also think that we're going to look back at some things and go, oh, ouch, you know, yeah, like... We didn't really have a yeah, choice. But right, but you don't know. I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing with yeah. change, right? Yeah. It's like you're trying things yeah. and some of it's going to work and some of it isn't, yeah. so... You just kind of have to roll with it. And then, I mean, in the future, if these changes don't reflect in positivity, someone will change it again. Like, that's how it goes, you know what I mean? Right, so. yeah, yeah. And change happens slowly, yeah. right? So I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't always see it, because it's just so it's I was happening. just going to say, like, <laughs> stuff is changing right now that we have no idea, right. you know? And maybe tomorrow we'll realize, you know, this has changed, but maybe it will be, like, five years down the line. Right. So it's all about, you know, not even, you know, making the changes, but witnessing them and being aware of them. So right. Like, like, part of life too yeah you're making a point Sarah that I actually think about often and I think that it's not always about the change itself or the things that you're doing it's about the reflecting on those things yeah and I think that's where the value really is right now especially Mm -hmm. is just reflect as much as we can on 
I did this, I tried this, did it work, did it not work, why didn't it work, mm -hmm. or why did it work, yeah. um, what should I do, look at those, um, those things, you know, I was in a little a webinar recently with the Stanford D School, and mm -hmm. they were talking about um, looking at, I can't remember what they called it, um, like, like the, the nuggets of goodness kind of, you know, yeah. like looking at all the good thing, all the things that are happening mm -hmm. that are working and then working to replicate those. Right? right. And so, and, and how that, how that's done on a very, you know, like community based level mm -hmm. that what works in one community with K-12 education might not work in another community, right? Because right. it's a different population of people. And right. so so it just kind of depends on where you're located 100%. around the world, right? And yeah. so, you know, I think the way of thinking is rather than saying like, you know, there's these huge, which there are probably, right, huge sweeping changes that need to happen. But rather than saying like pinpointing one change that everybody needs to make, to have everyone go, what is sort of working or what are those like really awesome things that are happening in our own community um, that seem to be working right in our K-12 education system. What are the right. things that are really working for kids and look at those things deeply, right. And mm -hmm. try to understand that and, you know, look at the things maybe that were, that aren't necessarily working for kids and try to sort of decrease some of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, right. and then, yeah. you know, so I think, and, and their thinking was at the D school was more around when I was, you know, listening in, in on this webinar, it was more around the, the positive aspect of let's just see what we're doing here. That seems to be really resonating with kids and really helping them to learn. And let's just see what's working that we're already doing. Right. And let's see how we can possibly move forward and do a little bit more of that. I love right? that. And it's like this, like, I just loved it because it was, first of all, it's positive. I don't feel right. like it's, I don't feel like it's toxic. No, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, but, and I feel like it's a step forward. That's sort of a baby step. Yeah. Right. It's not like this big beast of, oh, we have to change our entire system, but it's just, just looking at things. Look at yeah. Things that we're doing right now. Yeah. Assessing be, and, yeah. you know, thinking of little changes that can lead to those bigger changes eventually. Okay. I'm going to ask Jen the question that I ask every guest that I've had on so far, but I'm kind of going to start rephrasing it because I'm, I don't really love the word regret because I feel like everyone's like, oh, I have no regrets. So instead <laughs> I'm going to ask Jen based off maybe a regret, what is the biggest life lesson you have learned? So this is such an interesting question and I really had to think about this one and I think it's hard to think about regrets or things, you know, I think that even though I, I do try to reflect often, regret is a reflection. Yeah. In order to know your regrets, you have to reflect, right, on yeah. something that happened to know that you regret it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I don't know, you know, I'm, I don't know that this is as much as a, a regret as it is, I guess, and it, it's a regret. And it also is a what I would do differently if, Right. And so, you know, now that I'm in this role of outside of a teaching role, right, right. but still very much, I'm very much passionate about K-12 education mm -hmm. and all things that have to do with that. When I, I now have this sort of window in to the world of teaching and looking, you know, looking at it from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. And so I do, if I were to go back and teach again, there are a couple of things that I definitely would do differently now as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And one of those would be uh, definitely to not take myself so seriously. And, and I think advice. other teachers who I worked with mastered this already. They already knew this, right? But thank you to them for being patient with me because <laughs> I don't think that I had realized that. Um, or maybe I was starting to, I suppose, but, um, you know, I, kudos to the folks who have it down where they know not to take themselves so seriously, but they still have the ability to go in and think out of the box and be innovative and have doubts and like all in one package, right? Those like, types of teachers, like you just saying that like my seventh grade science teacher, I remember he would like assign us an experiment and he wouldn't watch us do it. He would do it. He would get in there and he would be like, 
you. I remember one time I was like, this is funny. Can you like take a video on my phone? Like I wanted to keep this forever. And he's like, sure. <laughs> like, like, I love that. You saying that is if I ever do pursue education, I know that I don't think I, I don't really take myself. I mean, I take myself kind of seriously, but not really. Yeah, so. and there's a fine balance, yeah. right? You yeah. know, like even I'm sure the person that you're thinking of um, took took himself himself very seriously, but on the same token, had that whether it's experience or inner thought or whatever it is to mm-hmm. know, like I don't need to take myself so seriously that I can't yeah. get dirty. Like here, I want to have fun. Yeah. Like yeah. what? <laughs> right? Yeah, and I do think like I definitely did have some of that too, where I would dig in. But I guess what I mean is that, um, you know. Teachers have, they, they, teachers know that they have to accomplish something, right? When they go to school every day, there's sort of the things that you know that, that your kids have to learn, right? Mm -hmm. That, that there are these expectations that, that, you know, we have New York state standards and we have, there's all these things, right? That teachers have to make sure that they're meeting up with every day. And so, there's always sort of that umbrella that right. is there. I don't want to say hanging over your head, but there's always that umbrella of stuff, right? The expectations, yeah. the standards, the all the different things that you are... And, and it's good. It's not... You know, if we all just went in every day and did whatever we wanted, that wouldn't be good either. Yeah. So it's good to have... We have to have expectations standards, and we yeah. have to have standards. And, you know, we have to all be headed toward a direction, right? And right. hopefully that direction is student-centered, mm-hmm. right? It's that profile of graduate. Hopefully that you know, everything's headed toward whatever's going to create that, that, that student that's going to leave us and do good in the world, whatever that means for that community. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just kind of like thinking back on, on all of that, I guess my, my wish or my regret or my thing that I would change is that seriousness that around it's okay to, to, if you're going in with your checklist and you know that there are things you have to accomplish and, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay if you have to pause and you don't get to all of those things. Like everybody's going to survive and there's going to be lessons learned in that pause. You know, that might be where the relationships are built too right. with your colleagues and with, you know, I, and, you know, I always, for years when I first started out, I, and honestly, I would even say for like the first five or six years, I had a really hard time. Um, I just wanted to go and do my thing and have complete kind of control over what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And the thought of taking time out to meet with colleagues and work with colleagues and, you know, plan with colleagues and that kind of thing. Not that that certainly didn't feel like a waste of time for me at all, but it took time away from, in my mind at first, I was like, well, I've got to get this done and I've got to make sure I have this ready. And, you know, I need to do this to get ready for my classes today. And I don't have time to go to that meeting or whatever it might be. But what I realized once I, once we started, once I started to work more closely with my team of colleagues was just the value in that pause and in that time that we had carved out every single day we had time carved out to meet together. Yeah. And that I think forced me to go, you know, ask so-and-so what they're doing or this happened in your class yesterday and you're wondering about it. You're not sure about it. Ask so-and-so what they would do about it, you know? And like, it made me stop taking myself so seriously and, and just looking internally for all the answers. And mm-hmm. it made me really kind of break down the barriers that I had, I think, mm-hmm. in, in asking for help and asking for advice and, you know, that kind of a thing yeah. um, and not having all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that's, I think that's when I started to become a better teacher was when I started spending more time sitting side by side with the people that were in the classrooms next to me and doing it on a regular basis, like on a daily, you know, every other day, whatever basis where I could hear them, you know, and I could hear what they were doing and I could hear some of their thoughts and some of their struggles and some of their, you know, excitement about some of the things, you know, like 
honestly, like, you, you know, things that kids don't always see necessarily are when teachers get together and a teacher's really excited about like, oh my gosh, I did this yesterday with the kids and it was so fun. Or they really, yeah. I really feel like they really liked this or I'm so excited to do this. Yeah. Or, you know, I've always wanted to do, I had, there's a, a friend of mine who's always, every time I see this person <laughs> is like, okay, this is the next, like, I want to do this with the kids someday. I've been that. thinking the last couple of years, like I've always wanted to do this. I just need X, Y, and Z. It's so you know? cool. As an educator, I think you learn the most from your you know, fellow educators. Right. And like the yeah. main role, I think this might be a broad statement, but I feel like the main role of an educator is to constantly learn mm -hmm. because, you know, you have to teach everyone else. So if you can learn from your colleagues and if you can learn from your community, then you can teach what needs to be taught. So Absolutely. I feel like, yeah. I don't know, that's how I kind of view it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not a teacher, so no. And what I would say, no. Well, no, no, no. But you get it, Sarah. Like you totally are. You're definitely. You're definitely. Um, everything you're saying is so right on. You know. And um, what I would say to new teachers, but then I guess also veteran teachers, right? Is um, it's so. I think that especially during this time period of COVID nineteen, when there's just a lot of struggles, right? There's a lot of it's hard right now. Okay. Oh, it's sure. Everything's hard right now. And, um, to get, you know, that enjoyment out of, you know, to, to have that enjoyment that in a authentic enjoyment mm -hmm. in what you do every day, I think it helps if you have those aha moments For where sure. you're learning, like you said, like you're learning, it's okay. And not as only is it okay. Like it is awesomeness when you're learning things along with your kids and they can yeah. see how excited you get when you have an aha moment, when you're like, Oh my gosh, I never knew this guys, yeah. you know, like, yeah. this is great. This yeah. is so cool. Um, I, I think that, that just gets everybody excited. And then it feels good for you too, because yeah. it's just like this thing that you realize too, yeah. right? That, yeah. So you've got like this whole new um, learning that just happened and yeah. it's, it makes it fun. Well, to close off the episode, I'm going to ask Jen to just share a little bit of, you know, closing advice with, you know, either educators out there or students or just the community. So if you had anything to say. So Sarah, you know me well enough now and you've worked with me long enough um, now to know that, you know, I think the biggest, the biggest message right now um, is it's, is embedded in community. Like when it comes to K-12 education right now, I think that we, th this, we're, you know, we're confronting a really rough time period right now, oh gosh, right? I mean, yeah. we're in it, right? We're yeah. in the midst of it. And I don't think that, you know, we don't want to be toxic and ignore <laughs> that. So <laughs> um, I think it's, it's real. Um, but I think where the answer is, is in community. I love that. And, um, and I feel it and I think it's authentic and I think, and I'm, this isn't just like a big fluffy wish list kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that if we are going to be okay, I think if we're going to, I think we need to lean on each other right now. 100%. Yeah. Okay. And I think that, you know, I'm thinking right now of, um, everyone who is living through this time period, obviously, and is, is in sort of a, a rough, everyone's struggling right now, right? Most people are struggling something right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think, I mean, if for nothing else, they've got to make changes because we're living in a pandemic. Right. right. So, yeah. so, you know, it is, it's a very rough kind of thing, but I also think, the answer is in community. I think that we need to dig deep. And I think that when I say community, I mean, we need to support each other. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, this, we're living in a in contentious time period as well, right? Politically in every possible way you can think of, I think right yeah. now, yes. um, everywhere you turn. And I think that we, I think we need to turn to community. And I think we, we really we need the community that an K-12 education exists within. We need that community thinking that they're not separate from K-12 education, but we're, they're here to support, right? right. And that we, we need to su support and give help and connect, right, right, to all the goodness that's going on in our K-12 education system. 
support that the best that we can, mm-hmm. right? And that could just be through positive notes and positive thoughts and thank yous and gratitude. Well, Joan, you made so many great points, and I know students and teachers will really find this super, you know, interesting and inf- uh, informative. So I just want to say thank you for being my first real adult guest <laughs> on the well, podcast. I'm, I'm flattered, too. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That's been such a nice conversation, and it's always nice to talk to you about these things. And um yeah, so th- thank you so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. So it's a good uh, good reflection for me as well. So thank you. Of course. Um, well, guys, there'll be a new episode out next week, and I love you all. <laughs>